it's okay to come to church empty. You know, I was thinking about this a little earlier. It's that we love to come and we love to we love to empty all of those things like our garbage. You know, we love to empty that. And that's good. And God's got big shoulders. He's got that. But sometimes you just got to empty all of you. Sometimes you got to come and just give all of you. The good parts of you, you got to bring those parts too and just be like, here's all of me. God, not just the bad parts that I don't want to deal with, but all of me. Our series is called Empty Hands, the Key to Increase. Maybe an empty heart is the key to increase. How can emptying my hands be a key to anything, especially increase? It doesn't make sense, does it? But then God says things like, you find your life when you lose it. But it doesn't make sense. You can argue with God when you get there. I just want to find my life. (laughs) So it means I got to lose it. There's this thing in the kingdom of God where left is right and up is down. And when you get that in your spirit, that he's bigger and he can do anything that he says. And he has never broken his promise one time to anybody. When you get that into your spirit. And he has unlimited power. So that helps. (laughs) Um, Hey, we had a graduation. Uh, in our early service for uh, nine kids are graduating from venue kids into here. So come on, guys. You're here now. I got to warn you. I got to warn you. They're coming in with some venue kid swag. They're like, this place is my place now. I'm going to be running that camera next week. So move over, oldies. We need some room to grow. I told one young guy this morning, I'm like, Miles, man, you're on the dream team. You just get on the dream team now. Just push some old guy out of the way and just be like, this is my spot. This is my house. This is my church. Big church, man. There's, you're in. Let's go. Right. That's right. I, uh, I love it. You know, I, we tell our, our youth people, hey, if your kid's got a job in church, 80% of people who have who, kids who are on the dream team, when they graduate, 80% of them stay in church, no matter what kind of church. And that's not like a great church. That's any church. You know what I mean? 80% of kids, if they got a job, if they learn to serve, if they get on the dream team and come when the magic is happening, when you start coming to church and you're not coming for you anymore. I'll tell you, God has a, uh, a sermon, a word from, from the word of God that he wants me to share with you. And I know how good it is because in the first sermon, there was a power outage in the area. We lost everything. And five seconds before we hit start, the lights went out here and that never happens. That's how good the word of God is going to happen. And the power outage happened at the time I was exhorting the venue ladies to do a little something. So nobody's pointing fingers, ladies, but I'm starting to think about it. Hey, um, this is a small group Sunday. And so this is when we want you to get hooked up to a small group. Look, there's so much magic that only happens when you get hooked up and when you start doing life with people. And so um, that small group is kind of like a great step into our community. We don't want you doing life by yourself. We want you to do life with your people. And uh, we trained up our small group so good. And, and now they're kind of competitive. And I don't know where they get it from. But because when I, when I want, want you to come to my small group, I'm like, all the other small groups are garbage. You need to come to my small group. But then the trouble is then I get all my best friends out of small group. And then they go and start other small groups. And invite all my friends in my small group to their small group. Janine Ressler. I'm not naming names. 
but we love it because the church starts spreading out and as the church gets bigger it also gets smaller and we really do life together that's where most of the pastoral care happens and um i'm an empty hands leader so i can do that janine and not hate the wrestlers for taking people out of my small group and having a great mission small group i love it because i'm an empty hand you know what i think the best leadership is leading with empty hands i think the the best way to love is to love with empty hands it's it's just a concept that the holy spirit is going to play out here john uh, records jesus saying this to you i tell you the truth unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies that's depressing i just want to plant it but a farmer knows it actually you gotta it's gotta die so I would like to avoid that part, but there's this thing where Jesus is saying, it's gotta go into the ground and die. Like it's gotta leave your hand. If you keep it in your hand and it doesn't go down and die, then it says this, and you don't think it has anything to do with sowing and reaping. It says this, it remains alone. Wait, 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 what, is, what does sowing and reaping have to do with connectedness? Now you can live in a family of people and feel alone. What does it have to do with connectedness? It remains alone. But then he says, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Come on, say amen, Venue Church. I'm going to preach this out. Thanks, John. Do we have anybody in the house who's like a dog person? Yeah. Anybody love dogs? You a dog person? I'm not a dog person. I, uh, I'm not really an animal person. I'm a people person because I love people. I do actually. Now, Pastor Aaron, she loves you, but if you make her pick between you and like a, a retriever, I don't know. When she comes home and she's all like wound up and excited and, and she says, hey, guess who I met? Nine out of 10 times, it's not a human she's talking about, it's a dog. Nine out of 10 times, I met a retriever named Jerry. I'm like, see, I'm not like an animal person, so like I, you know, I would come back and be like, I saw a dog. You know what I mean? Like I saw, like I saw a tree and a rock. You know, I saw these things. I saw the sun. I didn't, you know, guess who I met? This tree. You know, it just doesn't. It's all kind of the same to me. I'm like, I meet people. That's where I. There's something about. I asked her one time, like, what do you like about, you know, retrievers? Anybody have a lab or a retriever? Like, there's. The worst thing in the world is if you don't like them. They're so easy to have, right? You know what I'm talking about. They're so easy. They, I asked her, she said, I could have any sort of a day and that dog would love me as if I was the last person on earth. I could be the worst person on earth and they wouldn't even know. You could back your car through the garage door and get out and your lab would take the blame for it. They'd be like, that's on me. I know it was me. I'm so sorry. Please just scratch me behind the ears. I feel so bad about this right now. This is not your fault, master. You're great. You're not an idiot. You didn't, that's not you. That's, that was me. That's on me. There's something about the faithfulness and loyalty. Today, I'm, my sermon's about loyalty today. But my friends, when I was, I think a junior high or a senior high, my friends had an animal, a dog, kind of a mutt dog, wander into their yard one day. And you know, if you feed a dog, it'll probably keep coming back. And it did. So they adopted this dog. Now, this dog, after a little while, got sick. And so they took it to the vet. And um, 
So they took this dog to the vet, and then they found out that it was going to need some very expensive stomach surgery. Anybody ever have a vet bill that you didn't want? Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars back then. And um, like that was a long time ago. It kind of was. But my dad gave me the background story. He's like, he's like, they're faced with this huge dilemma because they used to go to dad's church. Because they'd never gone through, I'm talking about small groups. They'd never gone through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University that we're offering in small groups. You're going to hear about small groups today. And if you want to get your phone out right now and join a small group on Church Center app, Venue Church, do it right now. You're not going to offend me. That's, I would like that, actually. Um, but there's this... They'd never gone through anything like that, that we, Pastor Aaron and I went through seven or eight years ago, or whenever it was, six, I can't remember. But, but ever since we did that, we have budget for stuff like that. If we have a dog, we'd have a budget for it, you know? They'd never gone through anything like that. So, so they had uh, holes in their budget. And so... They were faced with a dilemma, my dad was telling me, that they were going to have to spend grocery money, like their kids' grocery money that they didn't have, to fix this dog. And they did. I don't know how that makes you feel. My wife is on this side of the animal lovers. Like, she would like, yep, our kids cannot eat for three months. They will. I can live with that. My dad is more on the practical farm kids side of things. He's like... Every animal has a purpose or they don't have an existence. Like, I don't get it. What does the animal do? Why would I have an animal in my house? To do what? Just consume my food? It makes no sense. You know? So, me, I'm in the middle. I'm be over here. I don't... They spent the money. They spent the money. You know, it was really hard on the family and everything else. Whatever you think about that. Then, then get, get this, get this. This is the funny and tragic part. Like, the next week or something, the dog runs away. They never see the dog again. Now, I remember thinking, because God made me a certain way. I remember thinking, I would expend no end of money to find that dog after. And be like, dude, ungrateful, disloyal. Look at that stomach. I fixed that stomach up. I would find that dog. Have you ever invested in somebody and they left? Have you ever given something away to somebody or you... You know, you spent two years training that employee and they lost money the entire time. And that third year, you're supposed to start making money and they gone. They go work for your rival across the street, right? Has anybody ever invested in you and you turned around? I've been thinking a lot about loyalty. Why would God invest here? Like, surely there are planets that are doing better than ours. God made this perfect Eden. And we're like, that's great, but we'd like to decide what's right and wrong right now and do the only thing that we can't do that would kill us. Why don't we give this to the devil? People, if you don't understand, like, where human tragedy and sickness and disease comes from, it comes from the devil. The world created Eden. We gave it to the devil and her like, hey, you know, he seems great. And then the devil breaks it and then God buys it back a piece at a time wherever the local church comes in. But the, the, and one day he will redeem it all. But why would he even invest in this ball of dirt? If I'm God, I'm looking around the the whole universe of everything I created. I'm like, oh, they ain't going to make it no matter. (laughs) Why would he be so invested in you? Think about the faithfulness and loyalty of God to you. Every morning you wake up, he is waiting. He is waiting for you. His mercies are new every morning. His forgiveness is unending. And there's nothing that you do that God can't forgive and can't restore. 
mean, you still got to like, people get pregnant and people get broke, but there's still this restoration of God. He'll always welcome you back. His faithfulness every night. You go to bed and you put your head, no matter what you did and what you're like, he's there. I'm like, why is he so loyal to us? You'd think after stomach surgery or heart surgery or brain surgery on a mutt like me that I'd be loyal back. But how many times do you miss waking up and reading your Bible in the morning or opening your YouVersion app and reading from the word of God and connecting with God? How many times do you miss prayer? How many times do you miss going to the house of God and giving? And how many times do you miss an opportunity to give a little bit back in your neighborhood? How? I'm thinking, what's wrong with us? This incredible, loyal God. And you would think that we would never miss anything ever again. And then I realized that's not how loyalty works. God's great gift to you. You ever seen an, an entitled kid? They get everything. Every time that they holler, somebody shoves some, you know. Something in their mouth. You know, it's just like, here, here's candy. Here's whatever you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want to watch? What do you want to? But the more they get, the more entitled they get. It creates this consumeristic mentality. The, the more, I'm just thinking about this. Receiving doesn't seem to make me loyal. Um, That's right. Can I create loyalty in myself? How do I create loyalty with my wife? How do I create loyalty with my daughters? How do I create loyalty with my congregation and my small group? How do, is it even possible? Because we live in this day and age where we're like, my heart feels the way that it feels. And, uh, you know, those around me make it feel a certain way. And I'm thinking like, is that really how hearts work? Can I buy my loyalty to, to Josh somehow? Can I have any say over that? Or is it all like how I feel in the moment? Based on circumstance, based on what hat he wears, based on what? Do I have any control over the loyalty of this heart? Can I be the main mover in connectedness? Because loyalty is at the heart of family. Loyalty is at the heart of friendship. Loyalty is at the heart of everything that matters. It's connectedness. You know that, that we set up this church around this, this idea that you are only here to, to do two things, connect with God and to connect with people. But then we say this, but you'll never do that, connect with God and connect with people. That's the only reason that you exist, by the way. All the money in the world doesn't do that. The nicest car on this block doesn't connect you, but you really want connectedness. It's what God made you for. But then we say, you'll never do that, connect with God and connect with people until you connect somebody else with God and with people. Why do we say that? Um, you know why I think God is so invested in this ball of dirt? Because he sent his best down. Yeah. Jesus is saying, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it remains alone. He's actually speaking of himself. He's saying, God sent the best. If it was me, I'd have sent an angel that I didn't care about. I was an electrician. I'd be like, you go and work on that thing hot. Hot meaning like the power's still on because we can't shut the hospital down. And I'm like, you go, man, you just sent somebody in there that you could live without. <laughs> Where's Jerry? I don't know. He didn't make it. 
Luckily, we didn't like Jerry all that much. God sends Jesus. He passes over Gabriel. He passes over everybody that he's got. And he sends his one and only son. And I realized, for God so loved that he gave, he planted a cross in this broken earth, in this dirt. He, he's so invested and so loyal to us because he gave his best here. That's right. Listen, his gift to me doesn't make me loyal back. You ready? Giving makes my heart loyal to you, but not your heart loyal to me. His gift to us make, made him loyal to us, but not us loyal to him. That's not how loyalty works. Only when I give, because giving is at the heart of connectedness and loyalty. Only when I give to Chad do I buy my loyalty to him, but it does not buy his loyalty to me. I grew up in church culture and we got this wrong. My dad was a pastor for like 30 years. My mom and dad, we didn't know this because I've looked at my mom and dad. They have never left a relationship that God gave them ever. Why? Because they are generous in relationships. They give and then they give and then they, they can't afford that. They keep giving. But I saw lots of people leave them and I realized we got something wrong. You know, we planted the church here and our small groups. Mine is the best small group. If you want to go to a small group, you should go to my small group. I mean, it's a small group with the past, right? You know what I'm talking about. You can go hang out with, like, the sheep if you want to. But, you know. <laughs> hang out with the shepherd, you know what I'm talking You're going to see how competitive it is later. Our small group leaders, every week would, would when we started the church, would text and connect people and be like, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? You know, and like half the time people wouldn't even respond. Like, how do you not as an adult respond to somebody asking how they can pray for you and love you? I realized we didn't teach people, right? People would come in, they get saved and baptized and be gone. Like a month later, God just saved them, did this miraculous work. We paid all this of our resources and generous people came and planted this church. Yeah. We're moving into a new building right there and generous people are paying to build that. And I'm just like, but how can this happen? How can they come and not be loyal? To we're so loyal. We're so invested in the, in the sea. We're so invested in the harvest. We're so invested in the lives of the lost. And I realized, how is it that they can, all of a sudden, they're gone. They're not even here anymore. And then a pastor friend of mine said, did you teach them to give in that first year? And I said, well, you see the, well, no, I, I gave. If you were here, you gave. I didn't teach them to give. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's on me. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Now what we say is like, hey, how can I pray for you? And here's how you can pray for me. Because only your gift buys loyalty back. And you need to be loyal back. You need to be loyal to your people. You need to that's give right. to your people. And I realized, I realized, is this what I told uh, Anthony uh, is our youth leader. And Anthony is married to, to Candace. And we call him Canthony. Because it's easy. Canthony. So we had them over the other day and I'm like, okay, this is what you got to teach the kids. You guys, your youth leaders are so great. You guys are all so great because you're like, Hey, how are you doing? You got like little thermometers and all the kids like, Hey, how are you doing this week? How are you doing? Hey, how can I pray for you? How? I'm like, that's great, but we can create consumers. Next thing you got to be is like, and, um, my week was, you know, maybe a little more stressful than your week. I know. Come on, teenagers. I know it's tough. <laughs> it might be hard to imagine. No, I'm like, and, um, here's how you can pray for me. Don't you want to pray for your youth leader? 
I'm like, why? Because if we don't teach the kids to give back, you got kids at home? Man, you always ask like, how you doing? How you feeling? How you? Man, they need to be asking mom how she's feeling. How am I feeling? What about me? Because if you don't teach them that, they're going to sit there and think that the entire world revolves around them. And then they're going to leave when the devil comes and distracts them. They're going to leave that youth group. They're going to check out of your family because we didn't teach them to give back. We didn't teach them because only their gift buys their loyalty. And you don't control the loyalty of their heart. They do. Um, it's my job in church culture that you come in, in here. Like when you come to God, you have like, sorry to break it to you. You don't have anything to offer. Like he's got a lot of you. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, yeah, no, I know. Like, I like your drawings on, I'll put them on the fridge, but like, they're not great. I've seen better, you know, but he loves you because he loves you and he's loyal to you. And you know, it's, it's just one of those things you come, you don't have anything to offer and you get salvation and it's free. But if you want to connect and you want to find your destiny, everything else is going to cost you. That's true. Yeah. And if you won't give it, God can't give you that connection. You've got to connect somebody else to God and to connect somebody else with people. And then God will connect you with himself and with people because it's better to give than to receive. Yeah. Because only when you give, only when you sow seed can God bring a harvest. Yeah. God can't bring a harvest on somebody else's seed. What's your mom sowed, uh, God can't give you a harvest for God can give her a harvest, but not you. And we have to teach people, we have to teach ourselves to sow in the right places. When I sweat my sermons, and I sweat them, and they're great sermons. Yeah. Listen, when the Holy Ghost gives me a sermon, I'm just joking. They are great sermons. When the Holy Spirit gives me a word for you, I have to sweat that. Because I have to go through pain and suffering during the week because there's the obvious thing that needs to be shared. But then there's this thing four layers down that really costs me to get to. And if I don't give you that, then I feel like I haven't done my job and I sweat them. And I, and why do you think I love you so much? Because I sweat it and I sweat the seed and it goes into the ground and I die. So that the Holy Ghost can bring a resurrection in your life. And so that helps. But that doesn't invest you with me. That doesn't invest you with the house of God. If you won't invest in that church property right there, you won't care if anybody gets saved there. You won't care if somebody comes in and is thinking about killing themselves that week. But that service needs to be because we had that happen during COVID. Somebody's like, I was, I had a plan for suicide next week. And if I didn't come here, you won't care about the loss because you have to sow seed into that harvest. And then God will connect you with who you need to be connected with. And then you'll become, you'll have the heart that grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Empty hands and empty heart. Now, man, I'm just getting through all this. Hey, if you get together with Pastor Aaron and she helps your marriage, you need to bring her a cup of coffee. That's right. Yeah. That's right. What kind of coffee? Make it expensive coffee. <laughs> Look, we can afford our own coffee. We don't care about that. And sometimes I'll let a cup of coffee sit on my desk because I just had one. It's great. You know, I hate asking for things. I'm not the guy who does that. I'm so low maintenance. I'm super high maintenance in some areas, but in that area, I hate asking for help. I hate it. I'll do it. I'll fix it. I'll figure it out. But I have learned that if I won't ask for it, people would always ask me like, you know, cause I always like, Hey, how can I pray for you? And then they'd say, how can I pray for you pastor? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm good. Why don't you, uh, you know, pray for Nancy. She needs help. I would just pass it along. Somebody would bring me a gift and I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But God's like, you're not teaching them to give back. 
If you don't teach them to give back, then they won't be loyal to you. You'll be loyal to them. You'll never leave them. You'll sweat everything. You'll get, but they won't be loyal back. And I realized I have to. And so I'm like, bring her a cup of coffee. It's good. She just saved your marriage by the Holy Ghost. I mean, we got to do something back when, when somebody fixes my daughter's car. I'm like, I do that because I'm a real man and I get cars, you know. But I got a friend who, you know, he helps him out a little bit. But I'm like, you need to give back a little bit to them, though. And so one time she bought a gift certificate to, like, Montana's. I'm like, you got to do something back because they're loyal to you from their gift to you. But that doesn't make you loyal to them. doesn't make you loyal back. Um, you want to know the part that, that, that we had the power outage? In this part of town here in the first part, when I was preaching to the girls, I'm going to preach to you guys and like, Lord, bless Fortis. We just bless the power lines. <laughs> I talked to a girl, uh, to a girl one time whose marriage was falling apart. And I said, why are you even here in this relationship? Why are you on this earth? Like, why are you here? And she said that she said to be loved. And I'm like. It sounds right though, right? Because isn't that what society tells you? Like, I'm dating you to be loved and you better treat me a certain way and I'm here for what you are supposed to do. And I'm like, well, that's a little problematic because if you're here to be loved, I guess it's everybody's job, full-time job to love you, right? So you're in a relationship with God so that he loves you. That's why you're here, to receive. So if you don't feel connected, it's somebody else's fault for not loving you right? When the reality of it is if you're not connected, it's because you're not loyal. Because you shouldn't be there to be loved. You should be there to love. God so loved that he gave. If God's purpose was to come here so that you would love him, that was a terrible decision on his part. Your love. I know that you think you're special. If God came down here because he thought that you could return his investment to him, you're not Jesus. He gave up Jesus and got you. He's like, I'm here to be loved. And the earth is like, oh, we don't need you anymore, Canada. You know, it's like, hey, th thanks God for all your stuff. We don't need you anymore. And then COVID happens and everybody goes nuts. Come on. And our nation comes out from under the covering of the covering that our grandparents had in like 50 areas. Oh, too close to home. Should I preach? I'll go to the next church. They'll love me. I'm just loving you. That's all. I'm not here to be loved. Listen, your gift, your generosity. No, no, no. It's not your husband's job to love you. Like if I'm talking to the husband, I'm like, it's your job to love her. But if I'm talking to you, that's not his job. Your job. Let's talk about your job. Your job is to love. Why does everybody have to have an emotional thermostat in you all, or a therm thermometer in you all the time? Why don't you do that for somebody else? Maybe that would actually connect you because you'd actually invest and your heart would be loyal and you start realizing like, oh, I'm not even praying for it. Oh, I'm not even, oh, oh, this is my job to figure out how to love better. It's not their job to figure out, not from my point of view. It's not your job to figure out how to love me better. You do whatever you want to, but I'm going to be loyal on my part. I'm going to learn how to love better. And uh, being loved is a byproduct of loving. Connectedness is a byproduct of me loving you better. No, not everybody's going to love you, but you won't ever get it if you try to reap somebody else's harvest from seed that they've sown. First Kings uh, chapter 17. 
See, you and I, we're building our lives towards this, like, we're trying to find the one big thing. But do you know that love and loyalty has to do with a thousand little things? That's what keeps you in a marriage. That's what keeps you in a relationship. That's what keeps your relationship with God. A thousand little things. A thousand little loyalties. A thousand tiny things. So that when the day of, of the storm comes, the ship is held together by a thousand cables. By a thousand nails. By a thousand. There's not one. You know, we always look for the big moment. But Elijah, do you, did you like our Harry Man series? Yeah. About the prophet Elijah. I'm going to go back and share a story that I didn't have time for. Because I just can't get out of that series. And... He had just gone to Ahab, and, and it says that he told Ahab, king of Israel, like, hey, because you want to serve Baal and these other gods, um, there's going to be a drought on the land. And so then God takes him into the wilderness, and God's been feeding him. Ravens would bring him food. you got to read that for yourself. And the, he would drink water from the stream, and God would miraculously su supply for him. But, but see, Elijah's finding himself in a place where he isn't sowing into anybody. Unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it remains alone. So he's got seed, but he's not sowing it. And uh, God spoke to him and said, get up and go to Zarephath and Sidon and, and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. So he got up and went there and he came to the entrance of the village. He met a woman, a widow gathering firewood. He asked her, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? I need a drink. Um, he did a little obedience snowball, which is good to do with your kids, because um, he asks her for something that she thinks she can afford before he asks for something she thinks she can't. Yeah. Creates a little obedience snowball. And um, as she went to get it, he called out, and while you're at it, now you're, you're going to hate him for a second here, but God told him to do this. While you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? Now, this is a widow, and, and widows back then in times of drought, they didn't have trades and professions and couldn't earn money. And this is not a widow, you'll find out really soon here, this is not an Israelite widow, so there's like no social system that's going to help us go. So widows back then, if they didn't sell their body, they couldn't feed their kids often. And so that would be like a normal, can I preach? A normal thing that would happen in this day. So I don't know what's going on with this gal, but this is, this is how tough her where she's at right now she said i swear as surely as your god lives so he asked her to bring uh, him a little bit of food and she's like i swear as surely as your god you hairy crazy man i don't even serve your god this we don't even go to the same church this is yahweh is not worshiped in my town yahweh is not worshiped in in the house i grew up in and the prophet still goes you want blessings to come on your employees at work i don't care if they're christians or not you got to teach them to sow you got to teach them to sow or they'll never get the blessing. She said, I don't have so much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour, listen to this, in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. And after we eat it, we're, we're dead. This is it for us. Like, you want, I don't have a biscuit. And because you think God is love, and the way that you think that he's love, is that he would never ask something hard from you. But see, God knows her condition, and God has a plan to save her. And she's part of that plan. God already has a plan of salvation in place for you, and whatever situation you're facing, he's already got a plan in place. Yeah. You gotta buy that plan with some seed. Salvation is free. Everything else is going to cost you. Come on, now, preach that, Pastor. Yeah, Pastor's right. Yeah, he's, that's a, yeah. yeah. 
Watch. Elijah says to her, don't worry about a thing. She's like, I'm worried about everything. <laughs> he says, don't worry about it. Go ahead and do what you've said. But first, giving is going to come up in this series. Giving back to God. But first, there's the tithe, the 10% that God says, hey, give back to me. That doesn't belong to you anyways. Give back to me. You'll see it kind of outlined here. But this has to do with a lot of different things in your life, too. Give first. He said, first, it's not faith if it's not first. If it's what you can afford and what you got left over, that doesn't take any faith. But first, make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. And I'm like, if that's me, I'm making, yeah, it's going to be the world's smallest biscuit already. <laughs> this is my, my daughter? Are you kidding me? He's like, God sent me here to save you. And this is the way that he's going to do it. He said, go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son, but bring a small biscuit back. He's like, don't make it at the same time. Don't write the check at the same time because you'll end up eating both. Make my little bit first. Come on. Make my little bit first and bring it to me and then make yours. Watch, watch. Here's the promise that God has for you. Just for whatever context you're in. This is the word of the God of Israel. He's like, don't worry. Listen, don't worry that your neighbor doesn't believe in God. God believes in them. Just don't worry about it. Sometimes you just got to teach them to give. Because when they give, then God can give what God has planned. And uh, he says, this is the word of the God of Israel. <laughs> She's like, I don't even believe in your God. He's like, you will. The jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And she went right off on Facebook. <laughs> Come on, somebody's going to go home and be like, can you believe what pastor said? I don't have a biscuit and he asked for the biscuit. No, no, no. She, and she got a lot more to lose than you got. And uh, it says, she went out right off and did it just as Elijah asked. And it turned out as he said, see, it turned out as God said, she had to trade what she said. And you've said like, Hey, my, my family's not going to make it. My kids aren't my teenagers right now. You've said it like, they're not going to, they're messed up. They're going to have the same pain I have. They're going to, but she traded her words for God's words. Daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered it. I should just drop the mic and we should just go into that rock and roll song that we're doing. This is God's guarantee, actually, if you will give and if you will live uh, an empty empty-handed life and an empty-hearted life. That is his promise, like daily sustenance. He's like daily connection. All those things that you want, that's his promise to you. He's like, I'll guarantee that initial investment. But then this happens. She didn't know that that biscuit mattered more than her need right then. Later on, the woman's son became sick. The sickness took a turn for the worse. Then he stopped breathing. Can you imagine this? Miraculous supply day after day after day. And all of a sudden, her, one, her son gets, her only son gets sick and dies. It stops breathing. Done. I was listening to a, my pastor Peter preach a sermon this, this week, I think. And he said, at some point in your life, you're going to get a call that has a diagnosis that's tragic. Somebody close to you is going to die unexpectedly. You're going to have the worst day of your life. Something is going to happen that is so outside of your control. 
something is going to stop breathing. And when that happens, some people go closer to God and get more connected with God and people. And some people, it pushes them further away. And do you know what I think the secret is? This woman gave a biscuit. A long time before, she gave the seed. And that seed wasn't just to feed her for the, the following years of the drought. That seed, as soon as she gave that biscuit to Elijah, a, a miracle was planted that took some years to come back around. When God is planning for that big day in her life, when he's planning, when he's planning a miracle. The woman said to Elijah... Why did you ever show up here in the first place? A holy man barging in, exposing my sins, killing my son. She's like, I know what I've done. But you know, Elijah, you don't talk to men of God like that. He should have just been like, really? You were dead that first day. But you know why he doesn't leave? Because he invested in her and in her son. He was, inve- he was an invested man. He's like, I know you're just mad right now, but I'm not leaving you. I'm going to, I'm a, To whatever end, we're here till the end. He said, hand me your son. Now, here's why you need to give that biscuit up. Because if you can't give that biscuit up, you'll never give up your son. If you can't give up the biscuit you think you can't afford, you'll never give up something you really can't afford. Now, I remember when my marriage stopped breathing. And God's like, give her to me. I remember when I was looking at losing my daughters and God's like, give them to me. And you know how the only reason that I could was because I gave up the biscuit years before. I gave up something that God's like, forgive, let it go. Give, keep giving, keep. Because there's no way in the world. See, someday I'm going to have to give my daughters away to some guy who's not like me. And I'll never do that if I act like I'm God Almighty in their life and I'm their father. And I'm, no, 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 God is their father. My job right now is to just give them up every day. Just be like, God, you better take over. They better connect with you. I'm going to let them down and their husband's going to let them down one day. But you, God, don't let them down. And you will say, you are a father to them. And I'm just here in the middle. I'm just like empty hands. Here, God. Here's No, they're not mine. They're just back. They're, they belong to you, my wife. No, I, I don't want her to fall in love with me. I want her to fall in love with you. Because then she'll fall in love with me. Because I'm falling in love with you. Three times, Elijah does what you would do to resurrect a boy. He body slams his kid three times. Like full length body slam. Three times he stretched himself out uh, on the boy. Praying with all his might. God, my God, put breath back into this boy's body. God, listen to Elijah's prayer and put breath back into his body. He was alive. Elijah picked the boy up, carried him downstairs from the loft. Gave him to his mother. Here's your son alive. Now... What's your biscuit? What's your biscuit? Some of you, it's, it's time. You just want to do what you want to do with your time. And God's like, you got to sow it. You got to sow more time into your marriage. You got to sow more time into your church. You got to sow more time into your, you got to sow more time into your small group. Some of you, it's just, it's just money. You're just like, you trust in money. You have a problem with money. My wife grew up, she didn't have a lot. So I get it. Like it's hard, but she had to learn to give it up. And she did. You know, some some of you, what's that biscuit? It's like forgiveness. I can't forgive my dad. I'm not going to forgive him. God's like, forgive, because one day I need you to give because I need the the miracle coming. And it takes time for the miracle to come. And you got to learn to give up anger and you got to learn to give up justice and you got to learn to give up all these things just to follow God and be like, I'm going to do whatever it is that you tell me to do. And then when the seed goes down, you want to know what to do with it? 
let it die. Don't dig it up in your husband's life and be like, how come you're not loving me better? You just got to let it go down and die. You just got to give it because God gave first and his son went down and, and then put some headphones on and listen to loud music until the miracle comes.